This is episode 47 of Outlander Cast with Mary and Blake. All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm your host, Mary Larson. My name's Blake, and, and I still, I still can't get over the nipple dress. Like, I've seen the episode now multiple times, and it's it's still a shock, and it's still as cool each time I see it. I just love it. I think it's a, it's a really cool costume. <laughs> it was quite the feat for Terry Dresbach. I know. And, uh, you know, and I've come to really enjoy the red dress a lot more with mm. further viewings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've really come to enjoy it. I, I've come to enjoy what it represents. I've come to enjoy the look of it and how it appeared on Claire, even though I'm a little mystified about how the fact that, you know, she is in fact pregnant, yet she's still wearing that red dress and she was super skinny in this red dress. She was. The red dress was the only one that I was like, because as I... You know, I think she might be four months, maybe five months pregnant at this point. She's got to have at least a little tiny, teeny tiny bump. Well, first pregnancy, so she's not going to yeah, show as much. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The first pregnancy, I know for my first pregnancy, I was able to hide it for up until the fifth month. Right. The fifth month. So she might just be on that cusp. Right. I think she's got to be at least, she's at least, what, three months pregnant? If-ish, four months pregnant-ish? I'm thinking, well, she's already spent three months in France. Three months in France. Oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry. Three months in France. So at she's already been in, there. Yeah. Then, then, and then, then she was pregnant probably for, what, at least three, four weeks? I'm thinking she's somewhere in between the four and five month mark. Yeah. So she, the, the this, bump's coming. This is when the bump is bumping. Starting to bump. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now that we've had proper bump talk. <laughs> <laughs> Baby bump. We have a couple of announcements. We want to... Uh, Oh, we gotta we gotta get our we get gotta our get our sound in. Oh, I didn't know there was. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Well, we <laughs> wanted to remind everyone about the podcast awards. That's right. There is a thing called the podcast awards, and there is a gathering with a bunch of nerds like me who get together to celebrate great podcasts, and they do give out super nerdy awards and trophies and. Yes, we are part or hopefully will be part of the podcast awards uh, if you, the listeners, nominate us. So Mary and I, and I speak for Mary, obviously, hopefully, we would really, really, really appreciate it if you took the time to nominate Outlander Cast for three specific um Three specific entries, uh, one for entertainment, one for people's choice, and one for TV and film. I will include the link uh, to the nomination uh, page in the 
show notes for this episode. But even if you just Google podcast awards nomination, you'll be able to find yeah, but it. For the, for, the ease, for the ease of the listener, yeah. I'll, I'll include the link in the show notes. Uh, and I'll even include the poster that I created uh, in a super nerdy way for Outlander <laughs> cast. It's, again, I'm a geek. I'm a huge movie buff. So that's that. I also wanted to mention again the fact that my wife, my darling, beautiful wife sitting across the way from me has created a Facebook group called the Outlander Cast Clan Gathering. And that is for Outlander fans. But more importantly, it's for Outlander fans who want to connect with each other, who have not read the books, who have read the books. It's a safe place. Uh, It's largely, not largely, it is completely judgment-free. It is a way for you to uh, connect with the Outlander cast blog writers, but also a way for you to connect with Mary and I more on a more personal level. If uh, you have something you want to say to Mary or myself, you want to rag on us, you want to make fun of us, or you want to throw rose petals at our feet, we are more than happy to accept those too. Uh, and you can do all of that and engage with this community, this huge, amazing, beautiful community that we have all built together in this place called the Outlander Cast Clan Gathering on Facebook. It's for book readers, it's for show watchers, it's for people all over the world who are having a great discussion actually about, wouldn't it be great if we could all get together for the finale? And a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, I saw except we're on the other side of the world. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, you know, Facebook Facebook brings people together. So once again, search Outlander Cast Clan Gathering. Join that group. Uh, groups are just the best. They're my favorite thing on Facebook. Yeah, that's, that, that's one of the huge the, selling points to Facebook yeah, for me. Groups are where it's at. And then lastly, we wanted to remind you to head on over to iTunes to leave us a review. Five stars is uh, the best, please. <laughs> whatever, um, whatever we deserve. Yes. That's, that's what's but most But if you important. leave us a written review and then you shoot us an email at outlandercast at gmail.com, I am going to be sending out a handwritten thank you card to you. Yes, me Aww. from Providence, Rhode Island. So I'm actually going to be sending out the first batch. We had several people actually write some reviews recently and I'm going to be thanking them at the end of the show. I'm just going to mention your names, but make sure you send us an email with your username and your snail mail address so you get some fun mail in your mailbox and not just a bill because <laughs> I hate bills. Bills suck. Nobody wants bills <laughs> they anymore. They do. They do. <laughs> well, we um moving out of our announcements, we had an interesting tweet. Why don't yeah. you read this one, Blake? All right. So listen, before we get into the listener feedback, I mean, this is technically listener feedback, but before we get into the, the meat of it, I had a tweet uh from Linda Ray on uh, obviously on Twitter, and she says to me, Blake, please stop telling Mary to be quiet. And I had to per- turn off the podcast tonight. Now I've actually received a, a couple um, tweets similar to this, and I think a Facebook message too uh, that's similar in, in in nature to this. Um, listen, if I offended anybody. Uh, first of all, I'm sorry, but more importantly, if I offended my wife, that that is the most important thing to me. Um, now, I don't know if I did. We've had a conversation about this, uh, and I don't think that I offended you in any way. We can elaborate on this a little bit. So this tweet and a couple of emails, Blake, of course, has been very strong about his love for Frank <laughs> and also for things that he hasn't loved about the episodes and Blake has been very strong with his opinions so I've had a couple of people comment saying hey stop. I'm feeling the heat here a little bit and uh, listen what's most important to me is that Mary and I are producing and performing a show that people are entertained by 
And if I was not entertaining in the first few episodes of Outlander Cast, uh, I'm sorry for that. And I will change the way that I approach this material. However, my job as a podcaster is to provide my thoughts in an entertaining way, uh, number one, but also to reveal my thoughts and to give an opinion. In my opinion, even though I'm a podcaster, and even though you guys may be listening to this, you don't have the microphone in front of your face, my opinion is just as valid as anybody else on this planet. So I... I, I do understand where people are coming from if they feel like I've been, you know, shoving it down their throats or if they feel like they're uncomfortable listening to my opinion. Um, but it is my opinion nonetheless. It is. And I thank these people because I think Blake is very passionate. Um, I love good TV. That's what I love. Yes. And um, and I love Ron Moore. And to know that everything that some of you have said has sometimes been correct about how I felt. So Blake and I have had a conversation. Uh, many conversations, as a matter of fact. And like, <laughs> yeah. listen, and I'm not sitting there trying to tell you that. I, I don't appreciate it. As a matter of fact, the fact that I got this this tweet, I actually really like it. Thank yes, you for telling because me. Because we want feedback to always learn how to grow. And I think that this was a great learning experience for us as podcasters. Right. Because it was an ability for us to reflect, us to listen back, especially to the last couple of episodes, and um, to really hear... You know, it is one thing when you have different opinions and it's a different thing when you feel like your opinion is the best opinion. <laughs> so, well listen, I I also will say <laughs> I don't I don't ever distinctly and I even went back and listened to this episode yeah, just, so just, just to make said. sure. So I said booby trap. I I I don't distinctly remember ever telling you to be quiet. No. I do remember saying please let me finish because someone that I know in this in this podcast studio may or may not have been or wanted to interrupt a thought process of mine uh, while I was making the thought, but I don't ever distinctly remember telling you to be quiet. I was just asking you to let me finish my thought and then we could continue the conversation. Does, does, does that ring a bell? Does that make sense to you or am I wrong? If I'm wrong, I will totally accept it. <laughs> Because I, I don't remember, I don't remember telling you to be quiet. I don't remember. I don't remember what I ate for lunch. <laughs> so, anyways, guys, what I do want to, uh, and I know we've gone on about this for a long time now, and it's, it's probably not entertaining podcasting. But please, if you do feel like uh, there is something to be said to either myself or Mary, I feel like all the criticism lately has been towards me. It has. Which, it has. Uh, which is okay. I, I, I'm a, I'm a tough guy. I'm a man, and men do hard things. Uh, I feel like, <laughs> I, I feel like. If you need something, to, you need to say something. Please, be like Linda Ray, or be like some of the people uh, that have sent us emails or or Facebook. Uh, whether whatever. it's things that you're enjoying or things that you're saying, ah, yeah. this is how we become better. And feedback right. is greatly appreciated. And know that it doesn't just your email or your tweets just don't go out into the nether region. No, that we, re real life we humans, read them all. <laughs> yes, sitting here reading. And thank you very much. That's all right, right. Well, let's get to the listener feedback already. Yeah, let's let's quit boring you. <laughs> All right, we got an email from uh, actually, it was on our website. On our website, Lady Ellie wrote in that she really liked this episode. I was ready for humor. The back end of last season was pretty grim, even though it did manage to end up on an up note. 
will change history. And by the way, I'm pregnant. Humor and drama can <laughs> coexist. This was a very busy episode with lots of new characters, but they are in a different country. And of course, there are going to be lots of new characters. This book is longer than the first one, but stars gave us less episodes to explore it. Jamie and Claire are in Paris to meet and influence the prince and other Jacobites. If not for cousin Jared getting them in, perhaps they would have gone to Rome to try to influence King James. But they did have Jared, a wealthy merchant who has an in with the rich and influential people in town. So they're going out of their way to meet these kind of people. That's why Claire befriended Louise. Mm. Not because she's just fun. But be- <laughs> hey, and she has a monkey. But she's another way to meet the kind of people that they need to influence. And she's getting Brazilians left and right. Of course, ouch. <laughs> of course Jared got Jamie invited to meet the prince. That's what Jamie asked him to do for him. Blake sounded as though all these meetings were just plot-driven coincidences. No, they've been working the three months they were in Paris to set things up so they can be in the right circles to meet these people. The show didn't just take the time to show Jamie and Claire cultivating their new friends. I hope we can see more character relationship building, but I expect that won't come for a while because most of the focus is on the political front, not the personal. It's one way Jamie can keep busy and not have to deal with his emotional trauma. Mm. I love listening to you to talk about the show and your lives. Don't worry, Mary. Most pregnant women can't <laughs> shave their legs. Preach. Some go hairy. <laughs> Others get their husbands to do the shave. Didn't you trust Blake with a razor? And the answer would be no. <laughs> Tell me don't play that. <laughs> Blake has shaky hands. Actually, I do. Um, I, I don't know if quite other, shaky. Yeah, I don't know if other people have this condition. You don't want me to be a surgeon. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> so I would never let Blake do that. Um, you brought up a lot of great points, and I loved, I loved this about... They're there for a reason, Blake. They're not just there just to meet friends. This isn't just like, oh, how coincidental. It's Lady Ellie was right on, right on. You know what this is like? What's that? It's like, um, what's that movie with Lindsay Lohan where she wants to be with the popular girls? Is it Mean oh, Girls? Oh, Mean Girls, yeah. yeah. Which we've already talked about Mean Girls before. Many times. Many, many times. The plastic. <laughs> so this is like when Lizzie Lohan is like plotting. She's like, all right, I'm going to go be friends with these people. Here's a question. I'm going to go sit at the cool kid t- table and I'm going to plan this out. So Jamie and Claire for three months were like Lindsay Lohan and Mean Girls being like, all right. What what does the fact that we reference the Mean Girls on this podcast that often, Does that is that more of an indictment on us or is that more of an indictment on the show. I don't know. It's the generation. <laughs> I feel like the Mean Girls come up every single episode of they this podcast. They do not. And if you're brand new to Outlander cast, they don't. Every single episode. Every single episode, I promise. How about the email? Oh, we got one from Angela. She says, I wanted to pose a theory to Blake in reaction to his unhappiness with the plot-driven episode two. See, everybody... You know, I'm getting a complex here. It is going to hate, 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 Damn. hate. Damn. <laughs> Taylor Swift lives in Rhode Island. Might as- Jeez. All right. I completely understand where you're coming from. <laughs> frustration that there was so much going on that it didn't flow as orga- organically as we would want to see from our beloved show. However, one little thing that might allow him to enjoy it a bit more, and that is the issue of coincidence i recall that blake had said something along the lines of it being too coincidental that every single character just somehow happens to know the right person for the right introduction to allow the next part of the plot to unfold normally that might come off as too heavy-handed however if we think about the larger question that the show is in particular is asking i started to view the coincidence factor differently and this is where things get very interesting that from angela what she from what she's saying she says the show was posing the question can history be changed 
Jamie and Claire are on a narrative journey to try and change history, knowing that we as the audience have to question if our protagonists specifically are able to change history. Since they are the heroes of our story, maybe we are supposed to notice just how many of the right people they know, just how many times they seem to be in the right place at the right time. This begins to lend weight to the possibility that if anyone was able to change history, maybe these two are just the ones who could do it because of all the connections they have to the right people and the right moments. It certainly allows the answer to question to the question to become more of a possibility. Even if in the first episode we kind of already got the answer, which is no, history can't be changed because Culloden still happened. But even if we know the answer is no, perhaps we can see how Jamie and Claire think they stand a chance of accomplishing their goal. The more coincidental people they know that keep their plot moving towards their goal, the more they're going to be convinced that it's worth trying to do. Also, they might be getting set up for an even more heartbreaking letdown if everything seems them to point them in the right direction of actually changing history, only to have it dashed at the very end. Hope that helps him enjoy the unfortunately jam-packed plot episodes if we only had unlimited episodes to see the story unfold more organically, like the book, though. Seriously. Oh, God. I mean... I, just as Lady Elliot said in the previous comment, this book was even longer. Oh, I can't we even imagine. We have to cram it. it all in into 13 episodes. That that's that's unfathomable to me. But I I do want to say I do want to say this, Angela. That is a brilliant thought. And as much as I hate the fact that it just seems so coincidental, if the writers are choosing to show you that the only people that could potentially change history, even though we already do know the answer, would be Jamie and Claire because of these specific connections. That's really cool writing. And <clears throat> what's more important is the implicit, implicit in that, uh, that suggestion is that the gods or the fates or time travel or whatever are putting them in this position. It's more like they're destined to be in this position and if they were to go down that route really cool stuff i really like that a lot and i didn't really think about it that way great great way to, to interpret that mm-hmm. brie wrote in and said hey blake hey brie there's, what about me there's another one another person <laughs> it's okay blake i love you um it looks like brie loves you too hey blake i've got a few thoughts on your outlandish theory and i'm interested to see if you have fleshed it out enough to explain some holes i've found in it okay If, as you say, that in the 1940s that we saw in season two, episode one, is a flashback and eventually Claire would go back to the stones and continue on what we are now seeing in Paris, then explain a few things. Okay. One, how would you account for Claire's pregnancy? Since she tells Frank that she's been carrying Jamie's child, how should we assume that she found out she was pregnant post returning to Frank and then never had the chance to tell Jamie? Okay, so here we go. We never found out. We We are never privy to the information that when Claire found out she was pregnant, she, we, we were never privy to that. So we don't know when she discovered it. Perhaps she discovered it right before she left. Okay. We just don't know yet. We, and, and, and neither is Jamie privy to that information. We only find out when Claire decides to tell not only Jamie, but us as the viewers. So how can I explain the fact that she knows about, uh, that she knows about Frank's, uh, or she knows about Jamie's kid to Frank? 
Well, I can explain that because she already knows. She just didn't choose to tell us yet. Okay, number two. How would you explain her re-entry back through the stones if she had gone through the stones and lived with Frank for a bit and uh, then in time would have gone forward to the 18th century as well, right? It is unlikely that Jamie would still be waiting for her at the bottom of the hill. <laughs> he would have likely just gone back home to Lollipop. All right, here's another, here's another uh, reason for this. We don't know the exact rules of when she goes and comes back. That has not been established in the show. Was she gone for two years in the show? Yes. But that is not, that again is not explicitly, um, th- those rules have not ex- been explicitly set forth by the writers. There's, we only have an instance of her coming back, going, f- going back and coming back. So because of that, the rules are undefined and thereby it still kind of fits. Uh, I think this last one. <laughs> will be very helpful to you. Number three, how would you account for Claire's lack of warmth at seeing Frank again if she had really decided to go back through the stones to be with him? Because, of course, Blake, your idea is that this this 1940s flashback is actually when she went back and touched the stones very early on. Mm-hmm. Um, or how can you explain her desperate need to know about the outcome of Culloden? It would seem a little random that would be on the forefront of her mind. A valid, valid point for the Culloden part. And I'm going to, I'm going to reach here a little bit. I'm going to reach because she did love Jamie and we don't know why she went back. Apparently maybe she went back to find out more information about Culloden. Maybe she went back because I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not Claire, but what I do know is that it's possible that she went back to get more information. So when are you thinking she went back in time? And so, you're talking about in season one? Season one. So, okay, if the writers had the balls, and if they, and I don't know, if, or if Diana has the balls to do this, I, I don't know. If, if they had the balls, what they would do is when, I think it was the Devil's Mock. When she go, when, when, was it the devil's mock? Oh, you're talking about the episode where she went to the stones. Frank was there at the stones right. and she was being called. And no, 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 that, cause that was, uh, that was, uh, that was the season one, a finale. This is when this theory like hurts my brain. I know. So let, let me just explain. <laughs> Sorry. I don't want to, I don't want to tell you to be quiet. Let me, let me explain it. <laughs> The theory is this, when Jamie brings Claire back to the stones and he says, please go, that's where you belong. You need to let this all go. This is your choice. Oh, after Wentworth prison? After she breaks free? It, is that when you're talking? When, uh, I don't no, know when you're it was, talking it was about. After, it was after, it was, I think it was the devil's mark. When he brings her back. Oh. Yeah. When he, when he brings her back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was the Devil's Mark because they were having this great conversation. Yes. She admitted to him that she was from the future, yes. and she thought that they were going somewhere else. But he, 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 he brings her to the brings stones. her to the stones, and so he says, you're saying that episode- "I'm saying, remember, she goes to the stones, and he takes off and builds a fire down the hill, right? And then the time passes. It's nighttime, and she comes back and she says, on your feet, soldier.' Yes. All right. So she was gone for a, a fair amount of time. So." So you think Claire actually went back in time during that period? I do. I do. And, I, and again, it's a little bit of a half-baked theory. And I'm fine with that. And, and there's probably thousands more holes with, with this theory. But if the writers had the balls to do this, it would change how you look 
at everything. It would change the whole perspective. It would be, it would be that lost moment. We have to go back, Kate. It would be that moment where you're just like, oh my God, I can't believe I thought that the 40s was present time. It was actually a flashback. It was actually what Claire was going through when she traveled through the stones. And she and and again, what the narrative is, is how does Claire get back and why does she get back? Right? And it, instead of thinking, oh, Claire leaves Scotland and I and she she just ends up in the 40s, and that's the narrative you're you're thinking. It then said it, it turns that around on you and says, no. She went back, but why did she go back and how did she get back? You need to create like a choose your own adventure book about Outlander. I'm telling you. Because that's that would what it be, would be. It would be like, all right, when do you think Claire oh came from? Oh my God, the narrative balls would be fantastic. So, all right, so let me let me just finish this. How would she, Why would she care about Culloden? Because maybe she went back to, to, to find out more information. Maybe she just cares about Jamie and she wants to know if he was there. Who won? Did, did Culloden really happen and did Jamie die in it? And then the, the first question is, how do you account for Claire's lack of warmth? Listen, it's kind of like buyer's remorse, right? You go, let me go along with this. It's kind of like buyer's remorse. You, you know, you go and you go to the car dealership and you see, you see that amazing Corvette and you're like, dude, got to have the Corvette. You get in the Corvette, you drive it, you test drive it. It feels great, looks great, sounds great. You bring it home and then you're driving it around for a few, for a few weeks and then you get the first bill and you're like, that was not a smart purchase. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Why did I do that? Mm -hmm. So I feel like she goes up to the stones She's like all happy. She gets through the stones. God knows what the what the effects are. The side effects are time traveling, what, whatever they are. Who knows? And she gets there and she she sees Frank and she's like, "Oh my God, I I'm pregnant. I I I don't know what happened to my body. I've been thrust through time. Here's Frank. I'm back in the 40s. I don't feel at home in this time anymore. I feel more at home back in the 1740s. What am I doing here? And that's why she doesn't have warmth towards Frank. Okay. That's that's uh, that's that. But thank you for bringing up those questions. I am more than willing to keep going through this. I am all set with going through this theory. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Debbie also wrote in an email and she said, "Good, her good for her good, bad, great. Her good. The costumes and sets were brilliant. I loved the bar suit and want to see more of it. The bad was the PTSD is too dominant. By this point in the book, Jamie and Claire had made love, healing sex in hot springs, end of the first book, and early pregnancy in La Harve and um, chapter chapter six. six. There you go. On page 149 of the book, it says, Jamie's dreams of BGR did not happen often, but now and again. In the book, Jamie was very... Solicitous. Yes. I got you. Of Claire and her pregnancy. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know this word. I cannot Selectos. say it. Anyway, but he seems almost unaware of it in the show. The, if PTSD is a serious subject, but let's get back to the core relationship between Claire and Jamie and all of its facets. So, um, mm. and her great... Louise, Louise in all of her scenes. <laughs> Murta with Prince Charlie. Agreed. The Duke Sandringham as he leaves Claire dumbstruck after she finds out BJR is alive. And by the way, and I'll admit I'm team Jamie, in the book, Jamie's reaction to Claire thinking of Frank is so much more caring and understanding than Frank's reaction to Jamie. On page 153, after hearing Claire call Frank's name in her sleep, he says, you loved him. I cannot hold it against you that you mourn him. I wish the show would draw more from the book 
a bit more in this retrospect. So I want to actually talk about the PTSD comment that Debbie brought up. So the big thing, Debbie and other book readers who might be saying, why aren't they having sex? Um, There was a big time discrepancy between uh, like all, all of this with the filming and in and, and the book. So in the book, they had a lot of time to heal. He had a lot of time to heal physically. He had a lot of time to heal emotionally before they even got to France, as you talked about. Whereas here in the show, we are supposed to believe that really this just happened a little while ago when they arrive in France. I mean, it came from, all right, we've got your, your finger sewed up. We've got... I'm giving you a hug and we're going to try to make things better and we're going to heal a little bit, but we got to get on this boat and get get out of here and get to France. So really, it wasn't that long of a turnaround. Right. And this was a seriously traumatic event. So I hear you. I really want Jamie and Claire to be back to them old selves, Jamie and Claire. And I think we're going to get that starting in in an episode or two. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Jamie is going to have to face his demon now that we know that BJR is, you know, alive mm-hmm. and Jamie will maybe find out about this. I can't spoil anything for you, Blake, but obviously <laughs> this is being laid out for us for, I think it's for a reason. That he's gonna find out. Um, so, of course, that is going to help. I think that we are going to see more tender and love between Jamie and Claire in the very near future. It has been hard to watch, but I think that the show would have, in my opinion, made a big misstep had they not continued to touch upon this. A, because it was, it is, and was a traumatic, terrible, terrible thing to have this assault happen to him. But also, we need to be reminded of this so that there is conflict and there is hatred. And we have this blood coursing through Jamie's veins for when he does find out that BJR is alive. We we can't forget. Granted, those of us who were book readers who went right from Outlander <laughs> into Dragonfly and Amber without like a day waiting. But if you think about it, season one ended a while ago. Droughtlander was bloody long as hell, okay? Sure. It was a long time ago, so we needed to be reminded of how bad it was. Yeah, not everyone is nerds like us, right? So who rewatch the show? Who rewatch the show over and over? So what you're doing is you have to produce the show in a manner that is suitable for the general public. Yes, you know, not not for again, not for nerds like you and I, my love, or for the people that listen to this podcast over and over again, or the people that that watch the show over and over again. Yes, we all know the story front and back. We all love the story front and back, faults and all. Mm-hmm. But for the normal general public, they got to be reminded of Black Jack Randall. Yep. You know, they got to be reminded of the fact that Jamie is, um, he's ashamed, mm-hmm. uh, he's hurt. And another thing I, I read on one of the on one of the blog posts, uh, you know, uh, in the comments section of, of the Outlander Cast blog, somebody had mentioned, you know, how can you expect somebody to just get over the fact that they were raped. Mm-hmm. It'd be like going to your friend who was, you know, if, if, if this happened, going to a friend and saying, hey, just, you know what, just get over it. Have sex with your wife, will you? That, to me, it feels a little disingenuous. And I feel like that's the way that they were approaching it in the show. And to me, that's a smart approach. And more importantly, it's more cathartic for you as the viewer when it finally does happen. Mm-hmm. When it finally happens between Claire and Jamie, it's like, oh, they're finally back. Like, remember how I said, you know, the sex scene was great. It felt good. Mm-hmm. You know, it felt good that they were actually back to doing what they were doing. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Until obviously we find out that it, it was a dream. Yeah. So 
imagine what it's going to be like when it actually does happen. Yes. And it's going to be great for Claire, for Jamie, but most importantly for us as the viewers. We had some great feedback on Facebook. Faye wrote in and said, hello, I'm a new listener. Hello. <laughs> I discovered your podcast just after the season two premiere, and I'm so glad I did. I love getting to really overanalyze everything in each episode. For not in Scotland anymore, I just have one question and credulous <laughs> comment. Who in the hell would rent a dildo? Faye? <laughs> Seriously, I know. And they, you know what? They didn't have Clorox wipes back then. Yeah, it's not like they got like sanitizer. They do not have Purell. You'd be lucky if they were putting it like <laughs> Who would rent in that? a bath. Who would rent it? Can I just borrow that for the weekend? What? No. <laughs> Please keep you, it. <laughs> you know what I noticed too in the in in the brothel scene when the lady who is showing all the dildos she comes up to like up to Prince Charlie and she like. Puts it on his shoulder and she's like teasing him with it. Yeah. Like if somebody did that to me, I'd be like, bro, get, I don't know where that thing's been. I don't even want to Get that off my shoulder. (laughs) I'm not happy about it. It's not a tease. No. What are we doing here? Once again, where's the Purell? (laughs) (laughs) Patty Roblitsky gave this past episode three kilts and she said three might actually be generous. What's with the fan changing from red to big and fancy and back to red? If Ooh, I remember, and I could be wrong, Jamie was not so easily won over waxed Claire. Although I feel like the brief scenes of them together, she's continually lecturing Jamie about one thing or another. Mm-hmm. I get strong-willed, but I do not like the lecturing Claire. Yes, <laughs> costumes and setting are beautiful, and the story has to move on quickly. It's a lot of book to cover, and it, it is Claire's perspective, but I miss the relationship of Claire and Jamie. What I feel like we got is strong woman Claire running the show and ordering everyone around. My opinion for what it's worth. I didn't know what FWI. <laughs> that was almost a Maryism. It, really it was almost, almost a Maryism. Like, what is. I had my button. <laughs> my, I had my. <laughs> FWIW. FWIW. <laughs> 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 I had my 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 hand was shaking. I could feel the heat on my on my finger I, about to touch the button. I have button. not seen that one yet. <laughs> Patty, the fan changing. So I didn't I brought I didn't, this up too as a matter of fact. I didn't realize that it went back to red. I knew that it changed that one time and I thought that that's because Jamie was like, "Can you please get a bigger fan?" and mm-hmm. she was like, "All right, fine. I have one in my other purse." <laughs> she didn't have a purse. <laughs> You're right. Where did she stick her lip gloss and keys? <laughs> And her ID and her insurance card. iPhone. <laughs> Probably in the pocket on her side hip. You know, but- here here's the thing. Here's the thing with this. Um I I I've had a lot of time to think about this episode. And I don't think it's as bad as some people have made it out to be, but I also don't think it's as good as some people have made it out to be. And the thing with Jamie and Claire is that their relationship is not the same. They are clearly struggling. They're struggling to find themselves, and they're supposed to struggle. They are in France. They are in a place where they are not comfortable. So how can they be themselves when they're not comfortable? And here is the ultimate picture. The ultimate picture is that I'm a viewer, and I'm not sure if I'm comfortable with France. And and I'm not saying I, I dislike it. I'm not saying anything quite yet. I'm still letting this marinate. But... I'm not sure if I like France. I really can't wait to get back to Scotland. I think we're supposed to feel that way, Blake. I don't think Jamie and Claire like being in France well, either. That's they're, what I'm saying. they're living a lie. Yeah, yeah. That's so what I'm saying. We're supposed to feel like 
Wow, this is a crazy land. <laughs> well, but it's not even that. It's just, you know, narratively and for the story and for the show itself, it doesn't, and it's hard to say this because, you know, it was only one season, but we're not in Scotland. We're not in Scotland anymore. <laughs> and I, I, don't, I don't think it serves the show and the story in a good way to be so far removed from everything that we were so comfortable with. In season we one. need to be. We need to be away. The characters have to be in France right now. No, I get it. I get it. But I'm saying just just for the story alone, I, I I'm not comfortable with France. I don't like where the story is going in it's France, okay. and I don't want them to get mired in politics. I don't want them to get stuck in it. I don't want them to get in the middle. You of You want it. Jamie and Claire t- for their love to start reigning supreme, right? Because a lot of people have commented saying the the core of the story is Jamie and Claire. It's yes. their relationship, and you know what? I think they're probably right. Because what's most important is the is the love between Jamie and Claire, and you can make a secondary option that the love between Frank and Claire, how that motivates and how that furthers and pushes the the love between uh, Jamie and Claire. I don't think you can make that argument at all. Well, no. What I'm saying is like, <laughs> or, or okay, not the love, but the relationship between Frank and Claire, like because that that pushes Frank that. is so 1940s. <laughs> All right, we're done with that. Okay, what, what we I'm are, we have moved on from Frank. Frank is done. I know, but what I'm getting at is this: she loves Jamie, and that is great. And she loves Jamie so much because she didn't have with Frank what she had with Jamie, and that's she appreciates that. And that's why I'm saying that's what pushes and informs the relationship with Jamie and Claire. So again. I'm not sure if I'm entirely too comfortable with France. And again, I'm not sure if the show is at its best when it's in France because it doesn't serve the purpose of what the story is trying to accomplish, which is what are Jamie and Claire going through? They need more of a conflict. They need something to happen to push them into a personal character building conflict. You know what, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they haven't got that in France yet. But again, it's only the second episode, so it's, it's still setting the table. Um, and it gave you an early, early, early insight uh, into the PTSD and the Comte Saint Germain. Now, I think he's he's going to be a little bit more of a bigger player, although I'm not quite sure how. Okay, you know what I mean. You'll find out. I uh, know, I know, I will. But I'm saying <laughs> I, I'm not sure how how much of an effect is he going to be like Father Bane, where he's just kind of like a secondary baddie. And he just shows up and boom, there he is. And oh, everything's bad. And, you know, like, is is that what it is? I'm, I'm not really sure. Diane, Diana Jane Carroll says, I'm disappointed. Two kilts from me for this episode. I loved season one and consider it to be the best thing I've ever seen on TV. I know season one had its lighter moments, but this episode descended into comedic farce. Outlander can't be a gritty drama like it was last season and a comedy. I felt some of the story was very rushed. Ta-da! Here is my new best friend and confidant. Thank you, Diana. I felt it was the writer's fault and a waste of sterling cast. Some of the scenery looked very false compared to last season's stunning efforts. Saving grace, though, was Murtaugh finding his voice. The sooner we are back in Scotland and become a drama series again, the better. Christina Nethaway Unger 
Her great, good, bad, great, GBG, is the good, the humor that lightened the mood around Jamie's inner torment. Mm-hmm. The bad was Jamie and Claire have a purpose in what they're doing, but I don't like the way Claire is being made to look like a somewhat callous mastermind, which this all seems to be a very common theory, <laughs> a common feeling. And her great was the cast. As usual, the new people are wonderful, but Sam, Kat, and Duncan... Oh, marvelous. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't like how Claire has become like this mother figure. I'm, I'm thinking that it was just for the purpose of let's speed things up. True. Marissa Bitmanis said, did anyone notice that this is the first episode they subtitled in Gaelic? Ooh, good one. For example, the scene in where the bra- in the brothel where Murtaugh says, it's not too late to slit his throat. I just thought it was an interesting choice to start subtitling the Gaelic now as opposed to any other time in season one. Thoughts. Great, great catch. I had not. I mean, I noticed I the they, subtitle. Well, I think I think they have to subtitle when it's really important that you totally know what they're saying, right? Um, versus understanding the theme and feel of what people might be saying. Mm-hmm. I, this is just that's just how it is. I feel like the other times in Gaelic when it hasn't been subtitled, it's because we didn't really need to know what they were saying. Of course, we all Google and then we find <laughs> out. And we're like, oh, okay, that's what it was. But you really were there more as a fly on the wall to see the atmosphere and to see what. The, the gentlemen actually were saying. But this time, you needed to know what Murtaugh said because Murtaugh totally could have said something like, I can't believe they rent dildos. You know, <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have known what he would have said. And this was Murtaugh's, this was Murtaugh's episode. It okay? really was. And it was, it was great to see that he was able to suggest that. And it was great to see, like, it, 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 it showed you that, guys, are, are we really going to listen to this blockhead like as Murtaugh says, and are we really going to go along with this? Like it ain't too late here. We can still do this. Loved it. It was great. Sue Campbell Deacon says, I'm less inclined to criticize the episodes than some people. I'm just so happy to see my favorite books come to life. I think that Outlander cast and crew do a phenomenal job adapting the very complicated books into episodic television. Here it is. The big, but, but here's what's puzzling me. When did Claire and Jamie conceive their unborn child? A great question. We don't know. We're not privy to that information, as I've already said. In this week's episode, Claire's voiceover says, in the three months we'd been in Paris, she told Jamie she was pregnant on the way to France. I assume that Claire was newly pregnant at the Abbey. She was fainting and throwing up all the time. Before the Abbey, Jamie was on the run, then captured and held in Wentworth Prison. So if she got pregnant right before Jamie left Lallybrock, wouldn't she be several months pregnant Ooh. by now? And how did she get squeezed into that red dress suit? You like literally. Whoa! You like did an inception on me. You you like. So Sue was saying that Claire had to get pregnant at Lollybrock. Right. Oh my God! Claire would be like seven months pregnant. Now. <laughs> okay, maybe more like five six. But yes. Wow. That's that's a that's a great find by well, Sue. Great job. <laughs> the bump in the next episode. <laughs> needs to be bumped it, it better be bumped seriously alright on Twitter Mary Anderson says where he goes I go not intimidated by anyone love that about Murtaugh I love that line too Murtaugh stole the show in this episode he did a fantastic jog D Stewart Love Denise. She tweeted that uh, this episode gets three kilts at best. Costumes, sets, and Murtaugh. Pull this one out of the crapper. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Edge, Mama Edge, tweets this episode gets a solid 4.5 kilts. Reasons, fun dialogue, beautiful scenery, 
perfectly cast new characters and the red dress. Hell yeah. Grant Mason tweets, bravo on Master Ramon, fellow time traveler. Ooh. Ooh. He appears wise to his years. Yes, Grant. I like where you're coming from on this one. Um, That vest... Killer. <laughs> Jane Starkey Hobson tweeted, good, the dress, bad. Not showing Claire twirling after waxing. Great king on Chamber Chat Pot. Jane, you are the one and only person <laughs> who I know who enjoyed the king on the Chamber Pot. You know what? I'm... Good for you, Jane, for standing up for what you believe in. Jane, this one's for you. And I'm not saying I agree with you, but I appreciate the balls that it takes to put that in a tweet. Because it wasn't just her good, it was her great. It was so. her great. It was like, that, that was the best pot of the episode. You know episode. what? And like, you don't know about the Claire twirling after the waxing. <laughs> the waxing took on a whole different level in the book. I bet. I, I would bet. I would twirl after that. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> oh, Bits on Twitter says, um, you're not going to let someone baby smooth your honeypot when you're four or five months Prego, not my love. I will defer to you on this one. People, believe it or not, do. I got my legs waxed while I was pregnant, yeah, as, as you guys get to hear. No, listen, listen. So, of course, I was having my legs waxed and I asked the esthetician, I was like, hey, do people when they're pregnant, you know, get down there, <laughs> wax? Wait, wait, what do they do? Hey, you okay, know? all right, yeah. good. Just so, making sure. I was asking because, you know, that's what they do. And uh, she said, believe it or not, a ton of women do. Wow. A ton of women do. A, if they're just used to it, they whatever. B, if they want, they they can't reach. Okay, you got a big belly in the way, and so some people do get waxed. All I can tell you is that it is a lot more painful because you have a lot of blood going through your body <laughs> and and everything, and it's just high alert. So bits, just for the answer to your question, my esthetician said yes. People do get waxed <laughs> when they're four or five months oh pregnant. Oh my god! On Instagram. Name Nard, Nemenard, okay, sure. Just, she says, or he just says, just listened, another great episode, Mary and Blake. I'm telling all of my friends who are into Outlanda to check out your podcast. Also, love the way Blake says, hopsicord. Yes. You know, Name Nard, or whatever your name is, hopsicord, hopsicord, hopsicord. That's for you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Helen Jane. Said on Instagram, I loved the podcast episode. Also, Bake's insight stopped me going mad. Ah. I couldn't decide why this episode annoyed me so much. I put it down too much, happening too quickly. But actually, it was because it was all plot driven, not character driven. So, Blake, you nailed it, says Helen. I'm really worried this season. (laughs) Thank you, Helen Jane. I'm really worried this season will suffer from too few episodes and too much content. But I'm hoping that they are getting it all out of the start so we can go into more depth in later episodes. I did love the portrayal of Jamie's PTSD Mm -hmm. and loved Claire coming up with the interesting ways to bring him back to her in the bedroom. So true to life. Helen, I like those last couple of points. I like those. And Helen's got my back. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Helen. That's that's my girl. What does Sweet Magnolia 360 have to say? The underlying goal for Jamie, Claire, and Murtaugh is to get themselves into French society and be accepted. The way that each did is different. Claire is resilient as ever when she accepts the clean honeypot and the revealing gown. Jamie is a little distracted by his nightmares, but nonetheless is picking up slowly, as we all know. He has already been exposed to French society. And Murtaugh is true to his character as he reluctantly conforms to French society. The only thing that cracks his armor is the swans. 
I love Murtaugh for his intensity, and I give this episode a two and a half kilt rating because it fell short of my expectations. The good being the opulent costumes and the settings, the bad is King Louis on the throne, they lingered way too long to get the point across, and the great part is Raymond and the apothecary. Acting was spot on. I'm sure we will get the opportunity to see more of his specimens. In spite of my low assessment, I think that Jamie, Claire, and Murtaugh were great. I just need to see more of them. How they become part of the society is a great story to come. I can only hope it is to come. I wouldn't categorize the French science as fake either. This is how it was really was back then. And the French court, the king, the brothels, the deceptions, the vulgar sexual proclivities, they are all real. They happen. So prepare yourself for more of the same. <clears throat> Diana Fisher-Stevens says, I haven't read the second book yet, but I appreciate the stock difference between episode one, which in which she cried, and the levity and over-the-top ridiculousness in episode two, in which she laughed, which I've watched three times. I believe that's when that's what the writers were striving for, hence the title, Not in Scotland Anymore. I believe all the actors enjoyed it as well, and apparently it showed. Patrice said, I think it's supposed to feel all superficial and like they are wearing costumes and playing parts because they are. I totally agree with you. Kcash says... Responds. Oh, responded to Patrice, yes. saying, I think you make a great point. They are definitely trying to make it clear that this entire world is one of superficiality. When I would watch a scene in season one, be at Casa Leoc or somewhere in the Highlands, I was fully immersed in the scene. But a few times during this episode, I felt keenly aware that I was watching people acting. The citizens watching Jamie and Murtosh spying and the people at Versailles, the whole Louis scene, perhaps that was an intentional approach so that we could feel like Claire and Jamie feel like they're in this fake world. Wow, K. Cash, you, again, here's like another inception <laughs> that just happened. Mm -hmm. Literally ripped that from my brain. 88 Sakura 88 says, four kilts, loved all the new characters. They are all so colorful. By contrast, Jamie and Claire still finding their feet as individuals, as a couple, with their charade, with their purpose, and with their environment. There were some really nice moments of humor and had many things that had demonstrated just how different a world Paris is was. Murtaugh is simply wonderful, and a, but as a negative, the bloody nightmare was just a little too much. Likewise, a little too much voiceover. MJ Loveless 27995 says, oh, wait. <laughs> uh, MJ, MJ Loveless, you know what? This one's for me. She says, five kilts. The only disappointment for me was the way that Claire found out BJR is alive. I'd prefer them both being shocked in seeing him and not for Claire to be told. And I, and I think I agree with this. I would love for Claire and Jamie to see BJR. And that's when they realize he's alive. That would be much more drama filled. Or do you think it's much more drama filled that she knows that he's alive and she is the one that has to tell Jamie? What do you think about that? I don't know. I really enjoyed it in the book, and it's completely, he's revealed differently. Alex Randall is revealed differently. Mm -hmm. I liked the book's way of doing it, but maybe they just did this to be very, very uh, efficient in time. <laughs> <laughs> I probably would agree. Are you ready to get into the tweet of the week? This yes, this uh, This very special, this very special segment of the show? Mm -hmm. All right. Let's, uh, let's do it. <laughs> This week's Tweet of the Week comes from Anna or Anna, Anna Spain. She says, I just listened to my first ever podcast and it was yours. Aww. Thank you for the laugh. 
Blake, I enjoyed your Lost reference since I have listened to the books in Lost fashion. I will say all is not what it seems. Well, I will say this. Uh, first, Anna, this one, uh, this this one is for you. Thank you so much for being a new listener. I really appreciate that. And uh, thank you for doing that. Lo- that. That's why she won the tweet of the week. So <laughs> because she brought up loss and in lost fashion, not uh, not all is what it seems. And Anna, for you uh, and as for every tweet of the week, I want to let you know that you are now entitled to a $20 gift card from the tag your it Etsy shop. Please contact Dawn on Twitter. She is amazing. She will take care of anything. She has gladly sponsored this. Um, uh, she's segment. gladly sponsored yeah. this segment, and she is amazing. So uh, please check that out. Uh, what do you think about doing voicemails, my love? I think that's a great idea. All right, let's do it. Hi, my name's Rana. Um, I'm from England in the UK and I love your podcast I've been listening um, to it for the past few months and it's just my favorite thing I'm always listening to it um, and thank you um, so last night I watched the um, episode I watched episode two and I haven't read any reviews or listened to your podcast since then um, because of time zone reasons um, so um I don't know what everyone else thinks about it, but personally, I would give it three and a half kilts. Um, it was a really good episode. It was so funny, um, and it was really different. And um, it was, it was bits of it were good, um, bits of it could have been better. Um, it kept giving nods to the book and quotes of the books that w- was quite good for book readers. But if you weren't, it would have seemed maybe seemed a bit choppy and a bit random. Um, even then it was semi faithful and some of it were, some of the parts were in the book, but then some of them weren't. Um, I know we were warned that it would be, um, very different, but I think it was just so much to take in. Um, and it did seem rather random and choppy at times, especially with things like the toilet scene. I didn't know where that came from. (laughs) So, um, I'm really excited to see what you think. Thank you. Thank you so much for chiming in and from England, no less. That is amazing. I mean, we've had so many great uh, listeners from all over the world. I mean, from like India and like Ireland and Australia and now England. And oh my God, how cool is that? Thank you so much for taking the time to call in. Yeah, you know, I, I'm glad that you you watched and you and thank you for listening to us and being so excited by that. I, you know, I it's hard. Um, <sighs> The the poop scene was just it was just too much for me. Uh, you know I don't know what they. I love Ira Bear. I really do. He is he is a sage. He is like my muse. He is amazing. But the poop scene was just way too much for me. I, I don't know what they were trying to do. Um, and I think they they misfired uh, a little bit with this with the episode. Uh, and hopefully I I, I hope that they have a good comeback. Uh, for the next episode. So we'll see what happens. Hello, Marion Blake. On Outlander cast, my name is Lovis and I'm from Sweden. I'm 14 years old, so I'm probably one of the youngest Outlander fans. 14 years old. I'm uh, sorry, I'm stopping this. 14 years old and you're from Sweden. Holy crap. We got Let's add Sweden to the list. I mean, thank, you know what? This, this For both of you, this is for you. I, I know you may not, you're not new listeners, whatever. I don't care, but that that is so freaking cool. I mean, I, I really, I mean, that is just so freaking cool. Uh, this is for you. 
because you guys deserve that. And uh, I, I just wanted to say that. Okay, we'll continue. Um, I'm going to share my thoughts on not in Scotland anymore. And I must say, I like the fact that we're not in Scotland anymore. I was really looking forward to France and especially the clothes. And this episode is really a feast for the eyes. Uh, I must say that Terry has done a great job. Um, another thing that I liked was the humor. Myrta was very funny. I mean, he's kind of angry. You know, he's homesick. He doesn't like the weather in France, the clothes, you know, not the people either, you know. So it was very fun. Um, it was a huge concert, you know, to the last episode because I cried so much in that episode. I got a headache afterwards. Mm. Uh, but in this episode, I smiled. And uh, I also think that Master Raymond was very funny. And um, I was really looking forward to it because... Uh, in the books, he's a very interesting character. He's mysterious, he's smart. And his place, oh my god, I was... The place that they've done, you know, his place was really like I imagined. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I don't think I'm going to rate this episode because it's very hard. So I'm, going, I'm just going to leave it there like the episode. Um, bye. <laughs> thank you. So, thank you so much for calling in. That's amazing. I don't mind that you didn't rate it. That's so totally okay. Master Raymond's was really cool. And uh, what, what you guys, the listeners, have probably noticed is, is that they're, actually their sound quality was really good, um, both from England and Sweden. And that was because they actually use uh, um, this this app on my website, outlandercast.com, where you can just leave a voicemail through your computer or through your smart, smartphone, and it sounds like you're actually in studio with us. So I wanted to let you know that if you ever didn't, if you ever wanted to just call but you didn't know the number or whatever you can go to outlandercast.com and hit this little button that says leave a voicemail and you will be able to speak to us just like how these guys did right uh right away and it sounds fantastic but now we're gonna get into the to the uh to the voicemails that we got uh via the telephone so you'll hear the difference and hopefully you guys continue to uh, actually call via the uh via the website because it does it sounds great really Hi, Mary and Blake. This is Karen from Pennsylvania again. Thank you for having me on your show last week, your multi-award winning show. It's such an <laughs> honor. Um, anyhow, so I just listened to your podcast on We're Not in Scotland Anymore um, on that episode, and I agree with pretty much most of what you guys said. Um, Mary's GBG. Yeah, mine were pretty much the same, only I think I had my G's reversed. I thought actually Murtaugh was, was the great. I think I needed a little bit of comic relief. And I can totally see where he's coming from, um, just being irritated at every little thing and all the, the French people and the nobility of just rubbing him the wrong way. It was nice to hear him verbalize that. And I think some people may have been thought it was a little too too much as far as the comic relief, but I felt we, we needed that after all the tragedy of the last few episodes. Um, also, um, I think that, you know, I as far as the King Louis scene on the throne room, so to speak, I felt the same way. I felt like, too, you know, extending that out a little bit too long was uh, maybe, maybe, I hope not, would turn off some some strict show watchers. I think the the book readers kind of saw where it was coming, and we, you know, we saw that in the book a little bit through Jamie's um, telling Claire, but we got a little bit too much of it on the show, I think. And also it made it seem like, oh, well, now Jamie has this in with King Louis because he gave him the... Scottish secret to regular vowels, and I thought that was a little like, eh, eh, maybe not so much, um, that Jamie could do better than that. So anyhow, the rest of it was awesome. Um, the scenes from the book, I, there were so many scenes here, all 
jam-packed into one episode, but there are a lot of things that I've been waiting to see. The um, the waxing episode was one of, or waxing scene rather, was one of my favorite parts of that book. Um, particularly Jamie's reaction. Also, the the red dress, not just the dress, but how Jamie reacted to that initially. I thought that was great. And uh, Master Raymond, and and I like what they did with Louise as well. They kind of brought her character out a little bit more than what we saw in the book. So overall, really cool episode. I didn't think it was quite as good as last week, and I was I would probably give it a 3.9. Kind of feel like how you guys felt um, with the movement and things. So hope you guys have a great week, and we'll be looking forward to hearing you guys next week. Thanks. <laughs> well, thank you for calling in. And, yes, I feel like um – I feel like the humor when it came from Murtaugh was good. And it was good because it was organic. It felt natural to the character. Even though, even though that character isn't necessarily always a humorous character. But it felt natural coming from him. Where they tried to get more humor, and I think this came from a good place, but not a place that was that was well earned was King Louis and from Sandringham and and the the uh, the the guy in, in control of all the finances, you know, pushing him off the bridge and then the poop scene and the weird back and forth between Claire and Sandringham. Like it just it didn't feel it didn't feel organic. It didn't feel natural. It just felt like it was put in there because, hey, we need to be funny. And uh, look at the king poop. Oh my god, isn't that so funny? Isn't that amazing? Like, no, it's not that funny. I'm sorry. Uh, and when and when you and it seemed like they they thought it was funny and they tried to make it funny and when you're trying to make something funny for the sake of it being funny that's when you realize we've made a huge freaking error. That That is like an enormous freaking error. So, uh yeah, I, I, I agree. It was a good episode. Tried too hard to be funny. Hi, Mary and Blake. This is Keisha calling from Maryland. Um, just wanted to comment on um, episode 202. Um, and FYI, Blake, it's Metin Hussein. Metin Hussein is the director. Thank you. Um, as a book reader, I know that these first two or three episodes will be giving out a lot of back information that if you read the book, you get to eventually, because the book is really thick. Um, and I can understand Blake's frustration by being a non-book reader, but I think the episodes will continue to get better and better um, as we get towards the middle. And let's hope for a great ending this season, too. Thanks so much, you guys. Have a great one. Well, Keisha, thank you so much for clarifying that for me. I I thought it was Hussein, but I wasn't sure because of the spelling and had a Y in there, and I just I I wasn't sure. It shows you how ignorant I really am. <laughs> um, but you know, you guys have both a couple of callers have mentioned this, which is like you know there was stuff that you know you need. It has to be in there, and I know Mary was saying this too. It kind of has to be in there, and like the poop scene kind of has to be in there for particular reasons. And are you worried that will the poop scene, will that deter just show watchers like myself? Like myself? Will we say, what are we doing? Like, what is that like noise? Like, come on now. We, what are you doing? There is a slight possibility there. Like, I, you know, obviously I, I have friends. 
oddly enough, I, I do have friends, and uh, I don't know how, but I do. Uh, and, you know, because, you know, I have the podcast, and for whatever reason, people value my opinion, uh, they come to me and they're asking me, like, like, they'll ask me my opinion about the show, and then they'll say, what was the deal with that poop scene, you know? Like, why why is that in there, and why... Why are we suffering uh, with the king uh, along with this poop scene? What, is, what does it actually add? And in my opinion, always is, I don't know. I don't know. And w- will that turn people off? Uh, perhaps. Perhaps it will. Uh, perhaps it will. I don't think that it, you know, you're going to suffer as much as you would, uh, like I probably said before, uh, if Blackjack Randall. Uh, people were turned off by his rape scene. And they should have been. It, 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 that's a pretty intense scene, even for someone like me who loves Black Jack Randall, the character, loves Tobias Menzies, and you know, admittedly likes villains and, and antagonists and, and darker things on television. It was even a little tough for me uh, because it, it's that's pretty intense imagery. So that is something I think that would make people suffer. Uh, well, make people not want to watch the show. The king pooping. You know, not so much. Uh, even though it is annoying, I think people can look past it as long as the show starts to get a little bit better. As long as we don't, you know, like we, as long as you don't have like a recurring problem of the king pooping like esque problems. Uh, if they, if they keep showing things that, that don't really matter, if if, they, if that happens, then yes, you'll have people t- be turned off to the show. But other than that, no, I don't think so. Hey, Mary and Blake, it's Teddy Potter. I am calling. Because I was laughing, but I'll try to contain myself, um, over your theory that the stone of the ring, uh, the stone which is now missing, uh, of the ring that Claire was looking for on Craig McDonald, uh, was the dragonfly in amber that Hugh Monroe gave as a wedding present. And if you recall, it's about the size of a golf ball. So, I just had a... Lay that in here uh, for thought. Thank you. Bye-bye. Talk to you soon. <laughs> Teddy, thank you so much for calling. If uh, those of you who don't know, Teddy is a writer on the Outlandicast blog. Uh, she's a fantastic writer. Please check out all of her stuff, especially uh, the latest articles about what it was like for a fangirl at Tartan Week in, uh, in New York. Uh, it's a fantastic article. I think she's actually putting up the, the, the final bit of that series, I think within the next day or so. So please check that out. Uh, yeah, you know, listen, it was a half-baked theory, and <laughs> and it's it's perfectly plausible. I mean, there are people out there that, that walk around with golf ball-sized rings. I mean, look at, uh, what, what's his name there? Uh, Kobe Bryant, when, when his wife found out he was cheating on her uh, in, in Colorado. He went out and bought her like a 21-freaking-carat diamond ring. God knows how much it was, uh, but she's walking around with a big honking ring. Uh, and I don't know, maybe some, maybe uh, maybe there was a, a reason why Claire had it uh, mitered down, or uh, maybe it was reduced in size, or I, I don't know. Is is it a completely half baked theory? Of course, that's that's the idea of my outlandish theories. They're all half baked. Uh, some of them, some of them come true. Thank God. Uh, so it makes me look like I'm somewhat smart. Uh, but you never know. Hey, I don't know. Maybe maybe she's kind of maybe maybe she she is walking around with a golf ball size ring. Maybe she's proud of it. Who knows? It's Teddy again. I'm listening to your <laughs> podcast of episode two hundred two. And Blake, I so agree with you about how there's not a logical flow of how uh, Claire makes friends with Louise and how it leads to them going to the court. And the upshot is 
if they spent less time with dildos <laughs> and toilets, <laughs> I think that it would have been a better opportunity to express it better. Uh, bye. Teddy, thank you again for calling in. I really appreciate it. And yes, <laughs> dildos. What? Why? Why are we spending so much time with dildos? And the the fact, oh, you know, and toilets and poop and like I I swear to God, I've never said the words poop or dildo enough or this much in my life as I have within the past week or so. Like, and it's funny because it's like it's. <laughs> Like we should have like a, a, a hashtag like less dildos, you know, <laughs> less hashtag less dildos in toilets. And like, and it's funny. It's even funnier because it's like not one of those things that you, you hear in uh, in like, you know, common vernacular or, uh, you know, in pop culture. Like, hey, hey, I, <laughs> how's the dildo? Today? <laughs> you don't really hear the word dildo all that often. And. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just like, I'm cracking myself up because, yes, the word, you don't really hear it. Uh, it, it call me immature. I'm totally immature, and that's fine. But it, it is funny because you, it, it is one of those things you don't often hear in pop culture. And uh, I think that I think that's hysterical. Uh, I think it's I think it's so funny that uh, that, we're, <laughs> that we're talking about dildos and, and toilets. Oh, oh, my God. I don't know why I'm laughing. So I'm cracking myself up. It's, it's totally, totally ridiculous. It's completely ridiculous. Hi, it's Melanie from Vancouver, Canada, and um, I'm just calling about the second episode of the second season, and my good is the casting and Murtaugh, and my bad is the length of the constipation scene, and um, my great is the costumes and the sets. Um, I'm really not fond of Mary yet. I hope that they kind of flesh her out a bit, although maybe you weren't really supposed to be super fond of her, but... um, I love Louise. She's she's amazing, and I love um, almost all the new characters. But yeah, Mary, they need to work on a bit. And um, I'm just upset that they were having to rush so much. I hope that the rest of the season doesn't um, that they're going to have to cut some things out of the book because they're really rushing through. Uh, um, I'm a book reader. My husband's a show watcher only, so he, he wasn't super fond of the episode. I would give it a four kilt. He would he would give it less, like maybe two and a half. He thought it was kind of clunky, and he he doesn't know why we need to know all these characters and i do so anyway just um love you guys and um hope you're doing great bye melanie thanks for calling in and you know i feel your husband's pain um you know it, there, <laughs> there is this debate um you know of, of and it's not just a debate i mean it, it's just it's actually um uh a philosophical problem you know like do you are you supposed to create these characters for the TV show strictly based off of um, uh, the book. And yes, the book readers know that there are certain characters that you need to have in there. I get it. Totally get it. But what service does it for the show? Like what, 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 what good comes out of it for the show if you start thrusting all of these characters on us and we don't care about them? And we don't care about them because we have no... We have no background with them. And and that's okay, having no background. That's also fine. As long as you give something to them that is compelling for them to do along with our main characters, right? Like we all know, we all love and we all know and love Claire. 
and Jamie and and Murtaugh. And you've earned yourself, uh, in terms of the writers, you've earned yourself a little bit of leeway in introducing new characters and having a new setting of France with the fact that we love those other characters, Murtaugh, Claire, Claire and Jamie, so much. You've earned that. So there is a little bit of goodwill. And again, it is only the second episode of the season. So again, that goodwill can take you on a journey to, to get to know new characters. But that goodwill can only last so long. And I say that because, yes, you do love Claire, Jamie, and Murtaugh, but if the people that are surrounding them, if they aren't doing anything that compelling, that means you don't care about them. And if you don't care about them, that also means you don't care about what's happening to Claire and Jamie because it's, it's now, it, there's no point. And if you don't care about what's happening to Claire and Jamie, that means there's no drama. And if there's no drama, then you don't have a show. And if you don't have a show, what the hell are we all doing here? Why am I wasting my time doing a podcast, right? So the most important thing is getting something for these characters to actually do. And do that is compelling in how it relates to our characters that we already know and love. For example, if... You know, we spent a little bit more time with the Comte Saint Germain. Like, okay, here, here's another thing. The problem that we have, I think, with Outlander so far, and I've already said this before, but I'm going to say it again. I'm a little uncomfortable with France, uh, mainly because for reasons what some of the listeners have already said, but then what have I, what I have already said, which is it just doesn't service the show well so far. This, the problem that Outlander has suffered in my opinion, is that there isn't a through line. Like there, there's no through line um, controversy. There's no through line uh, problem that um, Jamie and Claire must solve or deal with. You know, they, they, they had that a little bit with Blackjack Randall. Uh, and and he, I think he is the closest thing to a main antagonist that Outlander has had so far. Um, but, you know... He, he, he wasn't it wasn't this constant um, idea like we were thrown we were thrown um, Father Bane there for a while and you know whatever he did what he did and then they had the trial and yeah great whatever okay he showed up and he was mean and he lied and fantastic fine and then you had like Dougal uh, is he the bad guy uh, so far at least within the context of the show uh, he's done good things and he's done really bad things but I don't see him as, a, as, a, as an antagonist. I, I just see him as someone who puts up roadblocks. And then again, the Count, Count or what, what, Comte Saint Germain. Again, another, another bad guy. We were just introduced to him, but I have no feeling about him. He showed up for 30 seconds in the first episode, didn't make another appearance in the second episode. And I'm sure he will come up more often and maybe he will be the example of a complete through line for, for season two. But there isn't... Um, there isn't this main problem. Uh, the main problem, what it seems like, is that it's Jamie and Claire are fighting time. Time seems to be the main antagonist. And that is fine because we are in a situation where we are dealing with time travel. Uh, and that's okay. But the idea about time travel is that you need to make it personal. You need to make it, um, you, you need to give the characters a reason for being in the time travel. 
And so far, the idea is, well, we're trying to prevent Culloden. And that doesn't work for me. Because trying to prevent Culloden is an idea. It's a notion. It is something that is intangible, right? It's like, um, it's like fighting terrorism, right? You can't wage war on terrorism because terrorism is an idea. You can wage a war on a terrorist because that is someone that is actually real, that they are there. And then again, terrorism, they don't necessarily have armies. There, there's no, it's not a conventional war. You cannot fight a conventional war against an idea, right? Because it's intangible. It's it's bigger than all of us. And I'm not saying the idea of terrorism is bigger than all of us. That That's ridiculous. But what I am saying is that ideas are bigger than all of us. It's like Batman. You know, Batman is, is Batman. He wears a suit. He wears armor. But the idea of Batman is bigger than Bruce Wayne. The idea of Batman is bigger than Commissioner Gordon or Ra's al Ghul or uh, Bane or the Joker. The idea of Batman is what instills fear into criminals. The idea of Batman is what intimidates people. It becomes a myth, a legend. And so the idea of time is an idea. It is something that you can strive for, but you can't actually do. Again, I always go back to back to the future. Back to the future, there was a reason for them going back. There, uh, for Marty to go back, it, it it was his family. It was, uh, it was his it was his life. It was realizing who his parents are, and then seeing his hand disappear. There was a personal connection there. Claire and Jamie do not have that because they are fighting an idea so far, and that idea isn't quite compelling yet. Uh, and that's what the show was suffering from. Uh, so, and you also brought up Mary Hawkins. Um, you know, Mary Hawkins is one of those characters that uh, it it it. I don't know. She she seems to be an important character. There are if you. I don't want to. I don't want to say it right now because I'm not sure who is listening. If you haven't listened to our uh, trailer two breakdown, um, but th- we did we did do a breakdown of the second trailer that came out for Outlander and Mary Hawkins. There was a huge clue about who she is and what she's doing and why she's there. Um, and if you want to go back and listen to it, you're more than welcome to. I think it was like. Th- five or six episodes ago um there is a huge clue there and what happens with her and from i don't know how that happens uh in particular and i don't know what her character is going to be like because right now she is i think as kendra said a caricature a little bit she's just this mousy little girl and if she is going to be as important as what they are suggesting based on the on the trailer i think i need a little bit more from her um but again, that that is knowing that's knowing the trailer and knowing the clue. Without knowing what what this trailer is, I don't understand how what how her importance. And again, you're 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 putting all of these characters on top of us, and Mary Hawkins and Louise and Comp Saint Germain and and uh, and uh, the the person in charge of the finances, and and then you're you're throwing um you're throwing the king, and then you're throwing all of these people at us, and like this all happened in one episode. It's crazy. It's absolutely nuts. Now, do they need to do it? Yes. Does it serve the story? Not as much. They need, you know, it'd probably be better if they took certain characters, right? And they just 
combined them. Like one of the things that people really do, uh, showrunners, when they do adaptations or, or when directors do adaptations of movies, they take certain characters that they know they don't have enough time to uh, to adapt, and they say, okay, we're going to take character A and character B. And character A and B have similar traits. They're different people, but they have similar traits. So let's put them all in one character. So we don't have to develop two characters. All we have to do is develop one, and we can make a, an amalgam of, of two characters or three characters, whatever. Maybe that's what they should have done. Now, do they all, again, without reading the books, do they all play specific roles? Do they all play specific parts? Yes, they do, uh, I, I imagine. So maybe that's why they're all kept. But this is an option that maybe should have happened, or maybe they should have been introduced a little bit later. All right, this is the final voicemail. Hi, this is Claire McCarthy from Tequila, Georgia, again. Um, to read my last message, I ran on for too long, but um, my basic point I, I want to make is just I see a lot of comments on um, Facebook and Twitter and not only on your website but elsewhere, and it seems like there's a real war almost brewing between book readers and show watchers, and... I see that on your comments, and I just want to say that as a show watcher, I I realize there are things in the books that they are covering and they aren't going to get to, and I'm sure they're wonderful, and at some point in time, I will read the books, but for now, this is an adaptation of the story. Diana Gabaldon is consulting on it. She's written one of the episodes of the season, and as far as I'm concerned, if things are okay by her, they're okay by me, and the... Show watchers need to see um, the time and the place that Jane and Claire are wandering around in now. And that's something that Bronte Moore and the writers have done an excellent job so far in this series with, is making the time and the place almost another character in the show. So, yeah, maybe the Palace of Versailles scene dragged to some people, but it was essential to see how um, these people, and largely through Louise, um, how they think, how they operate, and how Jamie and Claire are going to have to proceed. So I just want, I just wish people could like sit back and just enjoy the show as a show and not be constantly comparing it to the book because if there's anything really truly egregious, I don't think Diana would have given her seal of approval. So that's my comment for today. Thank you very much. Wow, that is fantastic. You know what? This one is for you. That's right. That is right. You deserve a crowd applause for that because you have taken something that has been uh, crazy a little bit lately uh, between the book and show watchers and uh, and, and comparisons and you've ejected a, a little bit of sanity uh, in the situation. And I, I will fully admit that I am one of the people that get caught up in all of the details and all of the problems um, that arise from people, and 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 like I get I get caught up in the in in the arguments, and well, this this happened because of this, and this happened because of that, and and you should you should be doing this for television, and I agree, the and the show is the show, and the book is the book. Is it okay for people to to compare and contrast? Of course. But as long as what happens in the show makes sense within context of the show, then what happens in the book, I'm sorry, is, I would say, largely irrelevant. You know, Claire fighting a wolf. 
Did it? Would it make sense in the in the show? No, it really wouldn't. I'm sorry, it just doesn't. You know, I, I don't know what happens in this book, but if something doesn't make sense within the show, you cannot fully adapt a show from a book completely, because what works on a television show works on television. What works in a book works in a book. You can't take a book and just adapt it directly. Number one, because the the things that you, the, the the benefits that you are provided at, as a as a book writer, you don't necessarily get as a television showrunner or or movie maker. Some things in books don't work on television. Like uh, you get certain contexts, or you can get certain inner monologues, or you can you can describe certain scenes better. You can do all of those things. You are afforded that time because. A book can be however long you need it to be. But a show, generally, and now let's just take Outlander, for example, a show is 13 hours long. That's what you get. Uh, or, you know, even even last year's case, you have 16 hours to do your show, and that is it. And you have to take everything that is in the book, <laughs> from what I can tell, is a rather large book, and then adapt that to 13 hours. You have a finite amount of time, and you have to tell it in a compelling visual way in a book you are always told what you are need to be told in a show if you are told everything that you need to be told it is not compelling television because again you need to see things you need to be introduced to people you need to be, you need to care about people and you need to care about people in a very short time and if you don't care again there's no drama and if there's no drama i'm sorry there's no show now, here's the thing that I find with Outlander. Outlander is a good show. It's run by Ron Moore. And Ron Moore is the man. He really is the man. Uh, and it's his, his number two is Ira Bear. But Ron Moore is the man that created BSG. So say we all. And I will, I will go to my grave saying BSG is one of the top five shows of all time. So because of that, I like hashtag trust Ron. And I trust Ira. And if they feel like they have to adapt this show in a specific way, then they will adapt the show in a specific way. And I will believe that that is the best way that it should be adapted because of their track records. They've earned that respect. They've earned that trust. And anybody who doubts Ron Moore, honestly, in my opinion, they don't know a whole lot about television. <laughs> uh, they may know a whole, a whole ton about the books, and I respect that. But television is such a different beast than the books. And that is why comparing them, it's it's largely irrelevant because there's two such different mediums. Um, but again, what I, what I was getting at is this. The show Outlander is a good show. The issue that it has is that, in my opinion, it doesn't quite know what it is yet. It doesn't quite know what it wants to be. And that's okay. That is that is totally okay. And and I say that because the show has gone from being a great show. You have Garrison Commander and you have uh Terrence Man's Soul and 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 Devil's Mark and you have all of these great epi like fantastic episodes of television, really compelling. And then you have the search. And you have the watch. And you have not in Scotland anymore, which is okay. It was it was it was entertaining, but it wasn't compelling. It's so uneven. And because it's so uneven, I feel like it doesn't know what it wants to be. And not knowing what you want to be is okay. 
There are shows right now that, for example, Better Call Saul. Better Call Saul is a show that is an exquisite television experience. Even independent of Breaking Bad, it is an exquisite television experience. But when it first started, the first five or six episodes or so, it was muddled. It was confused. It didn't know if it wanted to be a comedy. It didn't know if it wanted to be a drama. It didn't know how to handle Saul. It didn't know how to handle Jimmy. It didn't know how to handle all the characters that are there. It didn't know that it had special actresses and actors, but actresses like Ray Seahorn. They didn't know they had that. They didn't know that Michael McKean was going to be fantastic as Chuck. So they didn't write accordingly. But once they discovered what they had, then they wrote accordingly. And the show has now found its voice. And to be honest, it has been one of the best television seasons of 2016. And almost, I would say, 2015, too. So that is a show that discovered its identity. And this show, I think, is in the middle of still discovering its identity. You know, speaking of Better Call Saul, there's a friend of mine who runs a fantastic po- podcast called Film Schlubs. Uh, his name's Brian Davids, and uh, it's a fantastic podcast that does actually cover Better Call Saul and, and, and a whole myriad of television shows and movies, does reviews. I've actually appeared on it a couple of times. Um, if you like movies and television, please go listen. It's an amazing podcast. Uh, Film Schlubs, that's S-C-H-L-U-B-S. Um you know, he wisely once told me that you can never, ever judge a show based on its first season, right? I mean, there, there are there are shows that are exceptionally great, like uh, Mr. Robot or Halt and Catch Fire, um, you know, those kinds of shows. Or like Bloodline. There are shows that are exceptionally great in their first season. You can you can thereby judge them because you know that they're amazing. And then you also have the exact opposite of just absolutely terrible shows uh, like uh, The Rush Hour Show or uh, The Last Ship, uh, Limitless, uh, I, I don't know, the Code Black. All, all of these just junk television shows uh, that just crap. You can judge them because you can tell that there's obviously, there's no hope for them. They're just crap. Then you have the middle, which is a gray area. And Outlander is in this gray area. And it's probably on the upper echelon of the gray area, but it's still there nonetheless. So you you can't judge it based on its first season. Um, what What you're supposed to do, and this is what Brian tells me, is judge a show based on its second season. Because it takes things that it learns from the first season and changes them. It takes weaknesses and makes them better. And that's fair. That is a totally fair idea for television shows. Because you, because you can't expect you can't expect greatness out of a first season. For example, like The Leftovers. The Leftovers was a show that obviously Mary and I cover, but The Leftovers was a show in season 1 that I thought was fantastic. It was really 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 good. But admittedly, there were some problems, and I'm not going to go into them, but there were some problems with that show in the first season. And the problem that they had was that they said, okay, well, we have these issues, and now we need to fix them, but how do we fix them? So what they ended up doing was they ended up changing the entire, almost the entire show. Uh, they, they added a whole new cast of characters. They changed the setting. They changed like a, a lot of stuff. It was still the same show, and it still had the same antagonists, and it still had the same main characters, and it still had the same feel, but the show was course-corrected. It pivoted. And it resulted 
in probably one of the best, or it resulted in probably one of the top five seasons of television that I have ever seen. And it's not just my opinion that that shares that. It's it's critics, like people who actually know what they're talking about, right? People who uh, are really paid a, a, a lot <laughs> a lot of money to to do this on television uh, or to talk about television. They, they actually know what they're talking about. So my whole point is this. The show needs to pivot. And th- the show needs to course correct a little bit. Because, again, it doesn't know it's what, what it wants. It doesn't know what it is yet. And that's okay. But the show needs to be the show, and the book needs to be the book. And I'm not going to judge Outlander based on season one, but we have to judge it on season two. And so far, season two, there just hasn't been enough compelling television. We need more Jamie and Claire. We need them to be who they are. We need them to be Jamie and Claire, because that inevitably is the story. What matters most is drama. And the show has not provided that yet for us because it's too busy. It's too concerned with giving us all of the characters and giving us all of the setup. That's a forgivable, that's a forgivable action because it's only episode two. But it needs, we only have 13 precious hours to tell this story. That means we now have only 11 hours left for this show to be what it needs to be. And that is is a huge task for them to tackle. How do you get all of that story within 11 hours? And uh, I, I <laughs> listen, I'm just a jabroni that sits in my basement with a microphone in front of my face. Luckily, I'm not Ron Moore. Luckily, I don't have to make that decision. Luckily, I could play armchair quarterback and just say, hey, that was good or that sucked. <laughs> right? The most important thing is making sure that you tell that in compelling fashion. And I, I do. Hashtag trust Ron. I really do. And uh, we'll see what happens. And I think that is it for the voicemails and my long diatribes <laughs> and me losing it halfway through. Thank you so much for, uh, for, uh, for dealing with that. Well, as always, thank you so much, everybody, for uh, calling in. You guys are amazing. I love everything you have to say. <sighs> but I think this we're, we're coming to a close of this episode. Yeah. And, I, and I wanted to start a new thing for listener feedback episodes. Okay. And this new thing is, what are you looking forward to most about Ooh. the next episode? My love, what is what are you looking forward to most? <sighs> like what, 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 what gets your, what gets your red corpuscles corpuscle? <laughs> um, I need Jamie and Claire to have some, some love. Mm-hmm. And I need the pregnancy to be acknowledged. Right. <laughs> That's what I'm really looking forward to because it's getting a little awkward at this point. As a you know, as as many women who've been pregnant and many people in general who whether they've been pregnant or not, we've all kind of been like, wait a second, you're pregnant. Right. You've been pregnant for a while. Mm-hmm. Why is no one talking about this? And f- for me, I feel like what I'm looking forward to most is something happening between Jamie and Claire. Mm-hmm. I don't want their relationship just to be a uh, part or driven by the fact that they're in France and they need to they need to they need to get going. You want their love to shine. Right. And cuz you know, here's the thing too. I love time travel. I think time travel is so cool. It's such a cool story device mm-hmm. and it's so much fun to watch and talk about and and get involved with uh, because there's so many details that can be removed or inserted or talked about or or like it's like the butterfly effect. One, you change one thing and, and then dinosaurs come up out of nowhere, you know? Or you change one thing and aliens invade the United States. Like, oh, there are so many potential things to happen. 
But in order for aliens invading the United States or dinosaurs coming to the planet or going back to France to change history, there has to be a price to pay. There has to be something character related that the characters need out of the process. The perfect example of this is Back to the Future. Is 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 the timing of Back to the Future, or I'm sorry, is the the logic of Back to the Future? Does that make total sense? No, there are holes everywhere in in that in that series, but it's it's a time travel movie, but it's not about time travel necessarily. It's about relationships. It's about Marty and his parents, and how they how his, how he how he interacts with his parents, how he understands his parents, how he comes to appreciate his family, and why does that happen? Because he goes back in time, and his hand starts to disappear, and he realizes, I need my family. Mm-hmm. My family is not a disappointment. My dad is not a disappointment. He is a man who is what he is, and I appreciate that. And that's what I need from this. That's what I need from Outlander so far. What are Claire and Jamie doing? And what does it do to them personally? How does it affect them? What is the price that they have to pay? What is the realization that they need in order to facilitate and justify this time travel aspect? And if you have that, if you have that character moment, if you have that character aha moment, then you've got good time travel down. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's what I need. That's what I'm looking forward to, not only for this episode, but I think for the rest of the season. And once I once they get that, I think I'll become more comfortable with France, because right now I don't like where it's going, and I and I and I hope that they that they that they pivot here. You soon. just don't want it to all be business. I don't want it to be all be business. I don't want them to get stuck in the politics. I don't want them to get stuck and mired in all the crap and all all of the political machinations if i want politics i'll watch i'll watch a house of cards and people are right this show is about jamie and claire it's about that relationship i I need more of that i think you're gonna get it my love are you ready to close out the show i truly am all right let's do it We want to thank you all so incredibly much for tuning in to another episode of Outlander Cast. And for those of you who have reached out to us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or email, or even on our website, outlandercast.com, to leave the feedback, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. And please go to outlandercast.com and click a little button that says support. And there are a bunch of different ways in which you can support Outlander Cast and help keep it a free podcast one of which is you can go on to patreon and uh donate a dollar or two or 125 billion dollars per month uh we would be honored to accept it there is a lot of work that goes along with keeping this this podcast up to date and produced and performed and we would love for you to help the process along but the most important thing you can do is to tell a friend that we exist climb the mountaintops go on a run drive the car with the windows down i don't care what you do do the smoke signals. Do a rain dance for all I care. Let everybody know that Outlander cast exists. And most importantly, the show Outlander exists. We all need the promotion. We all need your love and your care. We are one giant community. And please tell someone that we're here. 
You can also tell them that we are here by reading、uh, reading us on iTunes. And as I said earlier in the show, I'm going to send you a handwritten card if you leave us a review on iTunes. I want to thank Road Warrior Five Thousand, Hustling Darling, Amy Renick, Renick, Renick. I'm sorry, I'm totally <laughs> butchering that one.、Uh, Meredith Zero Five and Beyond the Wall ND. And I want to read Road Warrior's、uh, review. Road Warrior said, "I love listening to Mary and Blake while I am driving. I love that Blake has not read the books and look forward to his outlandish predictions." <laughs> I now ask my non-reading husband, book reading,、uh, non-reading book reading husband. To make predictions about what he thinks the show is heading. Oh! I tell him that I am like Claire because I know the future, and he is like Jamie because he has Jamie because he has no idea. Oh, that's、oh, so、awesome. cute! Isn't that really really cute? That is、so、really cute. That, that was a really cute comment, and、um, I think Road Warrior, you're kind of that's an awesome idea for all of you who have read the books. And your friends who might be watching the show alongside of you, ask them.、Right. Ask them what their outlandish theories are. I'm not the only nerd who can do this. No, <laughs> anyone can. And for those of you who are listening to us, who are just show watchers, send us your outlandish theories. That's great. That's what I want to hear. Right. That's what I want for the next listener feedback. Your outlandish. We will make、theories. a whole another segment just for your <laughs> outlandish. That's it. Nail it right、It's、there.、Done. That's the word. I'll, I'll even come up with a whole separate music for it too. Well, until next time, ladies and gents. I'm Mary Larson. My name's Blake, and you've been listening to Outlander Cast. <laughs>